Welcome to the Sunday, the 26th of April version of the St. George's Rod and Staff podcast, the official podcast of the St. George the Martyr Parish, St. George the Martyr of Kells River Parish, that includes St. Monica's and St. Michael's, the chapelries. I am joined as always by the rector of the parish, the venerable Archdeacon Rodney Whiteman. How are you, sir? Morning, um, Lindsay. I'm doing very well through the grace of God. So is my family as well. And yourself? Uh, uh, I'm doing well. I'm actually my sinuses are acting up today. Um, okay. We're recording this on the Friday, and Friday the 24th. I have been to the store this morning, and I can tell you one thing: having a beard, plus having sinusitis, plus having to wear a face mask of some sort, is not a good combination. <laughs> well, it's abnormal times. Everything is abnormal. Yeah, we just heard also last night from the president that lockdown will be lifted a little bit um, to a that's now being used in a phased situation where there are five different stages of it. And we will be moving to stage four on Friday, the 1st of May. That's correct. Yes, it was quite an interesting speech and it was quite good to understand the um, methodology used to try and phase us back into a kind of a normal no, normalcy, normalcy in terms of uh, the life that we have to live in this world. Yeah, it's very interesting because I've been reading a lot of conflicting evidence, um, or at least conflicting reports, where in the future they were saying that at stage one, I think, uh, church services can resume. Yeah. Uh, we're quite a bit away from that. And then yeah. the limitations on, I think it's weddings, like in stage two and stage one, I think are like 10 people. Or I think at the most, I, I can't remember, but yeah, at some stages, like 10 people, but funerals are still limited to like 50 people. 50 until, people, yeah. yeah. Until stage one, yeah. yeah. But at the same time that we hear what, we, what we're having to do in our situation, I just heard uh, that in Japan, for example, they phased it in, uh, sent children back to school, and no sooner had they done that when uh, the, uh, there was a spiral in infections again. So mm. this is a very delicate uh, situation in which we are. And of course, as I think lots of people are saying, it's it's the it's the it's, it's a novel situation which gives us an indication that we, we don't really know enough to be able to say we can do this and we can do that. It's like putting your toe into the water to check just what the temperature is, um, you know. And it's not it's not going to be easy. And I know some of us are impatient, um, but this is the challenge of life today. Yeah, it definitely is. Luckily, um, the runners among us, myself included, we can actually go for a run now, which is okay. great. Uh, although I'm not going to risk it too much. <laughs> no. Yes, now now that is true. There, it, uh, about anything is going to be a risk. I mean, generally, life is a risk. <laughs> whether you walk down your staircase at home or whether you get into your car or whether there are dangerous viruses that are floating around in the air. Life is generally a risk. Yeah, I'm a risk-averse person, though. But anyway, that is a <laughs> lot of news and updates going there, a lot of personal anecdotes as well. Let's get to the meat of the story. Father Rodney, can you please take us through the proceedings? 
We are now, dear people of God, in the third Sunday of Easter in year A, and we keep our focus um, in terms of our context is that we are in a period of COVID-19. Um, our opening hymn starts on such a glorious note, and I hope that you go and listen to it. Uh, glorious things of thee are spoken, Zion, city of our God, giving us um, a futuristic look of hope um, that, we, that we can have. Hallelujah, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. This is the day which the Lord has made, and so let us rejoice and be glad in it. Glad to worship God, to listen to his voice, to learn, to love, accept, share, and open the door to those whom we meet. And under the circumstances, we're going to do that very cautiously. A prayer for purity as we continue worshipping. God Almighty, our lives are open before you. Come now and cleanse our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit. As we seek to truly worship you and enable us to perfectly love you to the glory of your name. Amen. And it's important to continue being confessional and penitent. And so we pray, Almighty God, we confess in penitence of heart our sin and its dark consequences. Do not hide your face from us. Do not turn your servants away in anger. For you who have been our help, do not cast us off. Do not forsake us, O God of our salvation. The thankful hearts we give you praise. And it's important for us to receive the assurance of, through the absolution of forgiveness. The Lord who hears our loud cries for his mercy as our light and our salvation, forgive us our sins and let his face shine on us. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. On the pew leaflet, you would also have the collect for the third Sunday of Easter. And we will pray this together. Risen Christ, you revealed yourself to the disciples and calmed their fears. Meet us in our uncertainties and walk with us into the new life you bring. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please remember that as we pray the collect, we normally praying it with the church throughout Southern Africa. And Ooh. so this brings us, Lindsay, to the liturgy of the word. Shall I read the first one or the, the main part? Yeah, the main, the, the part that you have highlighted. The first reading is Acts chapter 2, and you can read it from verse 14 to verse 14 and then verse 36 to 41. And I'm reading it from a translation or a paraphrase um, of Nathan Nettleton, a uh, resource that I follow. Peter is speaking standing with the other 11 disciples and addressing the crowd, whom he calls the whole people of Israel. And he says, let them know, this is Jesus who was killed on a cross. 
And he's the one who God has made both Lord and Messiah. In response, the people say, what can we do about this? And Peter replies, turn around and get your lives back on track with God. Break free from the corrupt culture that surrounds you before it is too late. Hear the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, Father, <laughs> you threw quite a curveball with this one because when I read through it the first time, and I mean, we were discussing this before we started recording, um, the, the language is very modern um, and quite direct. Um, so, a couple of issues that I had with it, I mean, I, I enjoy it because it's, it's, it's put a lot more plainly, but like a more liturgical sort of text would leave a lot more open, like in poetic language to interpretation, where this is like pretty much, this is what he is saying. <laughs> yes, yes. In, mo in modern day language, yeah. I, yeah. I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, sometimes with liturgy, one tends to explore uh, yeah. new ways of doing things, new ways of saying things. Um, but I think the, the, the main parts of the story are there, which he captures. Um, yeah. uh, and I think the important thing is that it would sound as if the direct way in which Paul is, uh, sorry, Peter is saying to the crowd, you killed Christ on the cross. Yeah. And um, that's sort of a, 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 a curveball that he throws his audience. You're not always easy to win an audience if you tell them you are responsible for this person's death. Yeah. But again, I think what is important is, uh, and, and I like how Luke puts it, he calls into um, the situation, to the context, as almost like a responsibility, the identity of the crowd he's speaking to. Yeah. People of Israel, the whole people of Israel. So ever his, his, message, his message wasn't just in wasn't wasn't exclusive. It was inclusive of those who hear and those who will hear. Yeah. And all who are connected to Israel. Um, you you had a hand in 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 murder, but then it's not just murder by a particular kind of group. It is it is directed to all of us. Yeah. Because of our, our sins. I mean, the, the author translates Peter's words as, without a shadow of doubt, you know that you killed yeah. him. <laughs> and, and how, those, how do you actually... But it's also interesting because, you see, if you say, you know, you, you, you caused this. But yeah. in spite of you causing this, your actions wasn't the last say. And that the message I'm speaking to you is not one of judgment and 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 therefore to to put you on huge waves of guilt, but to get a response from you that even though yeah. your hands are blooded, and so thankfully by God's spirit they were able to hear and respond in the way they did. What can yeah. we do about this? And I think that's perhaps a question we'd explore, explore right through our lives in every situation. You know, uh, something happens and we have to ask, what do we do? Um, so whilst we have 
we the knowledge that they had that brought about the deaths that they caused mm-hmm. meant that they didn't know everything because Peter says the 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 the, the, the context that I'm speaking to you is that no longer has death got the power over him, but that God has made him both Lord and Messiah. So the, the grave and the death no longer defines Jesus. Yeah. It's what God has done and, and, and made with him. So their response is a very important one. You know, they could stay in their guilt. They could be angry. They could reject him. But those that were hearing said, if that is the case, then what are we supposed to do about it? And of course, Peter gives them wisdom about that. Yeah. Uh, but for me, it's interesting that he frames it as God has made him Lord and Messiah, where, um, I mean, we, we've, we debated this a couple of weeks ago about the, the Trinity. And like for me, especially in this interpretation of the text, Peter only identifies with the God that he met, like, i.e. Jesus, and then yeah. doesn't bring everything else into that, into that context. Yeah, I think, again, it's very interesting that you recall Peter had a conversation in um, Mark's Gospel, chapter 8, at Capernaum, where yeah. Jesus asked them, who do you think I am? And this was the other thing I was going to say earlier, the identity of Israel and the identity of Jesus is again coming into the frame. Yeah. And um, it's interesting that he says both Lord and Messiah. So Messiah is the words uh, referred to as the anointed one. And that would have resonated with Israel because that's whom yeah. they were looking for, that yeah. liberator. But when, when they tie the word made him Lord. Now, God, God is so great as he lords it over everything yeah. that it is quite necessary for us to know that lordship of God through Jesus Christ, Lord over death, Lord over sin, Lord over the grave. Um, but he, he's made Lord because he's the chosen one. He's God's anointed for the purpose. So Israel, the one you took to the cross was the one God actually chose to bring you liberation that you were looking for, but you just did not see it at the time. Yeah. It's yeah. part of his confession uh, when Jesus when Jesus said, who do you say I am? He says, you are the anointed one of God. Yeah, that's interesting. And then, like, jumping to the second reading, it's then very interesting that he then frames for the people who is, he's speaking to, um, like the early Christians, that the fact that it's, it's their relationship then with God that he calls into focus and not so much the teachings of Jesus. Yeah, but, but that was that in terms of the um, gospel narratives, we, yeah. we often hear God make, uh, Jesus making reference to God. And on at least two occasions, um, we hear a definite voice from heaven that yeah. confirms Jesus. And then we hear a silence on the cross. And, um, yeah. uh, you know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then there's that surrender. 
Jesus constantly makes reference to the Father. And at one stage in the Gospels, we hear him saying, um, why did he still day I must work the works of the Father? What, yeah. what I do is what the Father does. So yeah. that mysterious unity between them. And that's so Jesus, even though he made the I am statements, the I am statements was made with a collective, ex, a collective um, um, uh, experience that I'm not just here on my own doing what I'm doing. I'm here because this is God's plan. Now, the question, of course, is if Jesus speaks like that, then what is God all about? Who is God all about? You know, bringing us, taking us towards the journey now of towards the Trinity, where we will celebrate uh, Trinity Sunday after Pentecost um, to bring together um, the, 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 the premise of our faith, which we celebrate in the Gloria and in the Creed, the Nicene Creed and the other creeds we have. Uh, do you just sort of take us through that that second reading um, before we comment further on it? Um, the second reading is 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 17 to 23, and I've highlighted uh, certain amounts of, um, of the verses, so I'm not reading everything. Um, the second uh, verse, I think, says this. The fact that you look to God as your father does not mean that God is going to show you any favoritism. God is not swayed by mere words, but treats everyone fairly on the basis of what they do. And then he goes on to say, this is what you need to do. Love one another with all your hearts. Um, and that is um, what we are called to do in, the, mm. in, in, in response to God. And this morning I said on, on my uh, little audio, uh, worship is our response. Our response of love to God, uh, but when worship is therefore collective, not individual only, then we are called to love one another. That's our response to God because of God's eternal love for us. But what is important to know is that Christians and people of faith are not special to anybody and any other parts of creation. Um, and just because we may <laughs> utter certain words to God that may sound as if we're giving a pat on the back, doesn't necessarily mean that God only hears those. He looks for the, 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 the essence of what you're saying in who you are and who you are becoming and in what you do. That's a very interesting way of putting it. Because obviously, like Peter is now repeating the new commandment that Jesus gave them. Um, actually, at the last time that they conversed, that he conversed with Jesus before the crucifixion. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's, that up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's right. But doesn't it, does, uh, doesn't it does so, therefore, as we continue to explore the text in the way we've done over this podcast, what we've seen is the consistency of God in yeah. Jesus Christ. That even though, um, you know, we're trying to piece together the chronological um, narrative of Jesus, how one story flows into the next. Uh, we cannot yeah. readily see the chronos of it, but what we do see is the consistency of the message and the action of God in Jesus Christ, and and mm. and how we therefore have to to be part of the continuum of that uh, action, uh, yeah. of that way of being. Yeah. 
in the world. No matter what the circumstances is, the, this message is consistent and it fits with and, and is the, what we are challenged to, to be doing, whatever the context. But it's interesting, like, just the concept of love. Like, I, and I, and I can only speak for myself, I never knew that, I mean, I'm celebrating my 10th uh, wedding anniversary as this goes live to, to everybody um, on Sunday. And I never knew what love was or how overwhelming love could be or how it feels to be compelled to open up what we consider to be like our heart yes. until about a week after. And I think I've said it before in this podcast, a week after my daughter was born, where I was just struck by this understanding that like this person, this new person is going to be almost entirely dependent on Monique and myself for everything. And like it kind of just gave purpose to my life because you work and you work and you work and you acquire things and you try and further yourself and better yourself, but it's never really towards an end until you have something to funnel all those resources that you're gathering into. Um, yeah, absolutely. And so I, I always find it strange when, when, when this sort of direction is given where it's like love completely, love with all your heart, love one another as I have loved you. It's like, can average people, <laughs> like people who don't have kids, who don't have those sorts of relationships, don't have like 10 years invested in a marriage, how do they understand that sort of powerful love? Well, I think um, no one is born on an island, one of the poets of old said. So inevitably, in, in our engagement, in our uh, engagement of life from youth, youth onwards, somewhere along the line, we would have engaged somebody who then focuses on us in a way that makes us feel special and, mm. and, and, and then attach a certain value to, to, our, to who we are. That makes us think about, so if that person, even if there's nine people who never did it, but one person yeah. who did, that will make the impression our hearts really long for. That, that, that means that we will not only be responding with our eyes and our ears and our mouth, we are responding from the heart because that's what the heart searches for. The heart searches for love and in order to reciprocate that. Because yeah. we, we, are, we are made with that potential to receive love and to be able to reciprocate love. We are able to love even if it's not reciprocated from the other side. That God-given potential is in all of us. But I think what Jesus brings is because of the confusion that sin uh, comes upon us and distorts yeah. things and causes division. And again, the whole thing about identity divides us up. So we're confused. Um, the image that we have about ourselves is shattered. Uh, he comes and reminds us, what is it really all about? What it was really all about, he said, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That's what it's all about. And what does therefore that mean? It means therefore you are called to know God's love within yourself. And no, no matter how shattered the image is because of sin, love is restorative. 
Love is transformative. And love brings healing and wholeness. And through a period of confession and reconciliation, the possibilities to be restored in love um, is eternal because, mm. of who, because of who God is. And so the words that Jesus speaks, love one another with all your heart, is breathed into the atmosphere of confusion as a mm. message of hope to be breathed in and to feel life again. Because with love, we have life. Yeah. Yeah, so, so what you're kind of saying is that that everybody knows what love feels like, which is then quite consistent with, with my uh, prescription. <laughs> yes. <laughs> For lack yes. of a better that, yes. that I give to a lot of people where it's like, you you won't know it until you feel it, but you know yeah. what it doesn't feel like. <laughs> That's right. And so, but part, yeah. of the, part of the journey, which is important part of the journey is, why is it that one person is able to love me in the way they do when yeah. maybe in, in some people's cases, you know, from a very, a very um, early age, their formative years, where they never heard or felt that. Because look, what, what, what assures a baby whose eyes can't even properly open that they are cared for, that they matter, yeah. um, is when they are touched and held gently and kept to the breast, and when they are spoken to, even though they may not understand, uh, and when they are played with, they are they are able to respond with laughter. How many how many are there who don't have that experience? Yeah. And so they they are the, the, the brokenness is already there, but that doesn't mean they will be excluded from ever knowing that they are loved, because love searches out the loveless. Jesus mm. said, I came to seek and to save the lost. Love searches out the loveless, and, and, and like the good shepherd seeks to find them, and often finds them in the place of, you know, in the place of where it's dangerous, where they may actually lose their life, because they yeah. wonder, the, you know, so, so, Somehow, um, what, 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 what the challenge we have is when we engage people uh, in the shopping center, whatever it is, um, do we make them understand we're an agent and a vessel through whom that profound love of God can flow to them? Even if we don't know their names, our connection yeah. is they look like us, they speak like us, so they must be part of who we are. And then it's just through showing whatever kindness you can. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But it's interesting that, um, just moving on uh, towards uh, what would be then the gospel text, uh, it's interesting that, that Jesus came along, and I mean, at the time there were many prophets and many philosophers roaming the, the countryside, lamenting the, the fate that had befallen Israel. And here was a man who did nothing but ask people to follow him and to listen to his words and to try and be like him because that is the pathway to 
eternal life. Um, and then when that person was taken away, and I mean, it must have been, been quite profound uh, because this would have been during a time where like the, the Jewish councils and the, the keepers of, of the faith were requiring taxes, the Romans were requiring taxes, like, and the people of Israel were quite poor at the time, especially in Jerusalem. And then for that person to then be killed and then have that void for a lot of people where it was like, yo, this guy who was just, he just wanted us to listen to him and he wanted nothing else in return. Uh, and then it's, it's interesting that in the gospel reading, it's where Jesus appears in public after the resurrection. Um, and then, then the, the, the following happens, if you would like to take us through the gospel reading. Uh, we journey into the gospel reading with him, Rejoice the Lord is King, and you can check out that on your pew leaflet. Listen to the good news proclaimed in the gospel by John chapter 20, sorry, by Luke chapter 24 from verse 13 to 35. It's the most amazing story of the Bible I, for me, uh, the road to Emmaus. I think that's how it is known. And so the words I read was... Um, uh, uh, spoken by a man named Cleopas uh, to Jesus, whom they never um, identified at that stage of the journey. You must be the only stranger in and around Jerusalem who has not caught up with what's going, what's been going on in the last few days. And then Jesus uh, asks, what has been going on? Um, that's a very empowering statement. And then both of them reply, it's all to do with Jesus of Nazareth. Then they tell us a bit about Jesus and what the authorities had done. And then they say these words, we had our hopes pinned on him, being the one who would set Israel back in its rightful place. Um, so after they had the meal, they responded with, um, sorry, after they said these things, Jesus said, when they had finished filling him in, Jesus said to them, what a thick-headed pair you are. That is the <laughs> paraphrase that Nettle brings. And then the journey continues to where they actually come to the meal, and he had this wonderful conversation, uh, taking them back to the Old Testament times and so forth. And then he's, when he sat down to the evening meal with them, so this must have been a whole day, and he picked up a loaf of bread, gave thanks, blessed, uh, broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they realized who he was, and just as suddenly he disappeared from their sight. He looked at one another and they said, no wonder there was such a fire burning in our guts when he was explaining the scriptures to us on the road. So without a moment's delay, they were on their feet and hurrying back to Jerusalem to tell the news to the eleven and the rest of the crew. This is the gospel of Christ. Praise Thank to Christ, you. our Lord. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it just goes into that whole thing of he, he really wanted nothing in return except for to tell these stories and to help people find the, the way, the path to enlightenment. We, we may know the story, but do we know the meaning 
of the story. Mm. We may know about an event, but do we actually look for its meaning? Now, one of the commentators that I looked up on when I was, when I read through this passage said, and this I think it's a very important thing, the conversation was very intense. Like now, whilst we must not lose our joy, the current narrative that rules the globe is Ooh. COVID-19. And every one of us is discussing this. I mean, I was <laughs> even interested to hear that um, the President of the United States indicating that the possibility of researching where the people can actually drink bleach to kill the virus when it's in you, uh, it's, it's coming up. So the so conversation is intense because people are looking for ways of trying to understand what this is all about. Wishful thinking is not going to get away. So what I like this commentator saying, in the midst of that intense conversation, moving away from the actual event, Jesus interrupts their conversation. So somewhere we need the intervention of God, the, the intervention of God that interrupts our intense conversations. Because we may be going on around and around in circles, not being able to make the proper connections to move us to where we are inspired and then to be able to become people of hope again. So that intervention is an important one. It's a crucial one as we continue journeying under this very dark cloud. Um, so in a way, there is an expectation in our hearts amidst our intensity at the moment is, God, can you just interrupt all of this and help us make sense of it? Uh, we, we, in the narrative, we tell our version of the narrative, but we really don't know what it's all about. And we're not able to make connections. And the more we talk about it, it would sound as if the more confused we are becoming because we're only relying on our own um, thought patterns and our reflections on what we hear and read other people saying. So mm. that divine intervention uh, is very important, um, and we need to be consistently open to it and allow God to interrupt our lives, interrupt our journeys, that we think we are on the right track. They moving from Jerusalem to Emmaus was the right thing for them to do in their mindset. Mm. They may have been going on the destiny to Emmaus, but were they going anywhere fast? Mm. So God, Jesus mm. gently becomes the interrupter in order to bring us back to the narrative of God sit the, 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 the understanding of that narrative and its impact on our lives. And so he, um, um, and I also, also like the interruption comes with a question. Uh, what has been going on? Yeah. You know, and again, the whole identity, are you the only stranger? So who is this one that interrupts our conversations? Is a stranger. And my gosh, are you oblivious to what we've been going through these couple of days? 
Don't you know? Mm. So in a way, Jesus is is giving them um, a source of empowerment when he asks them the question. Well, now you let me know what's going on in terms of how you understand the story. And he listened. So his interruption wasn't to say, now, look, anything that you know about it, you know, just forget about it. I'll tell you. No, no. I want to listen to you. I want you to clear your breast, your mind, as you tell the story of the events that have happened. You know, uh, in a way, that's a very generous act of the one who knew all the answers. (laughs) Let those of us who don't know the answers clear ourselves by sharing our confusion, our lack of understanding, and then, of course, one of the things that he would have um, heard them say very clearly, our hopes were pinned on him. Not mm. on a cause, not on a set of rules and regulations, but on him. On him was our hope pinned. Um because, and here it was part of the collective. It wasn't about personal salvation, but it was also a nationalistic salvation. Israel, would you bring them back to where they should be? So they were thinking very nationalistic here. Jesus yeah. was, was far more deeper than just the nationalistic view. He, doesn't, he doesn't even answer them directly, calls them thick-headed pair. Uh, of people. Um, again, you know, uh, uh, he stirs them by saying, you know, why, why are you guys so stubborn and, and you lack understanding? You just don't get it. So in a way, he was challenging them, you know, come on, guys. You know enough to be able to put this thing together, but here we need to help you again. So pre-crucifixion, during the three years they were with him, that's how they operated. They were still picking at Mark's gospel. If you read Mark's gospel, you would hear Jesus constantly challenging the um, disciples who lacked understanding. Um, that's a challenge to us as church. You know, when we think of our theologies, when we think about our creeds of, of faith, um, when we think about the life of a church, that it must not be based on ignorance. You've got a, mm-hmm. got a very important life-changing faith in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so we need to grow in our knowing. Um, and Jesus then informs them, both through the retelling of the story and making of the connections, but also in the action of the Last Supper. Mm. And he takes the, this time around, they thought he was the guest, the stranger, whom they invite to the meal. He is the host because he takes the bread and blesses it and then gives it. And so for me, this, this is where, for me, the Anglican sacrament mental um, liturgical way comes where you combine both the word and the sacrament 
in one sentence. You can't have the one without the other when you're doing the Eucharist, the Word yeah. and the sacrament. So there's a profound, uh, what's his name? And I just love um, uh, one, somebody who wrote about this passage called it uh, the passage of heartburn. <laughs> That's the telling of the story due to our hearts. And are our eyes opened when we receive the sacramental bread? That shows you just how important word and sacrament are to one another. Yeah. Jesus is the word made flesh. Jesus is the word made flesh. <laughs> Absolutely. And when we partake of him, we have this new essence. Something you feel. Did not our hearts burn within us? Did not our eyes open? Something in us is moved. You know, you can't be unmoved by this. And then, of course, the excitement is anything that moves us, we want to go and tell. Yeah. We want to share. And that's what the appearance of Jesus does. Every appearance story of Jesus leads those who've been touched by him to now go and share about him. And then what do they hear? They hear of the other's experiences of him. And so they could make the connections. Well, if he appeared to you and he did this and he appeared to us and this is what he did, then certainly we have a witness that he is resurrected, that God has indeed made him Lord and Messiah. And so Peter stands uh, in Acts chapter 2 and tells them the story of the good news of Jesus and then they ask that vital question so what are we supposed to do about this mm. and That's then that brings them, that brings them to the to the gospel truth turn away from your sins, which we heard at Lent, Ash Wednesday, and believe the good news. Yeah. I think that's a fitting close to this section. Charles, uh, if you want to take us through some, some prayers, obviously, this is the week of, it's South Africa's birthday on Monday, actually. <laughs> I like year. to call it. Yeah. Yes, uh, 26th is it not? 27. Not quite now. The 27th. April was the third uh, democratic vote. Yeah. Yes, no, I'm, no I, I, uh, we broke up there. I thought you said it was the 27th year. No, <laughs> so, no, 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 no. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah, I think it is that. Is it 26? Yes, it is the 26th year. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, so the 27th of April, it's Freedom Day, um, celebration of our first democratic elections which took place in 1994, turning 26 years old, one year before the crown birthday. Obviously, I am quite happy about that. I like to make a big splash about that sort of day because like, that's where history kind of resets for us. Um, but yeah, if you just want to take us through the other, the other prayers of, of the church during this time, Father. So in our prayers, we um, are going to... Uh, when you look at it, you can listen to the the singing of, O Lord, hear my prayer. When I call, answer me. 
which is what we sometimes sing to. And then I think it's also important as we celebrate our um, uh, a, a new republic, as it were, uh, on the 27th, we are reminded to continue the prayer of Kosisikilele Africa, uh, and we should sing that anthem on that day to our heart's content as a continuous prayer. But we also remember a plea for the whole of Africa, and not just the whole of Africa, but for all people in the world, when we see sing those words, give a thought to Africa. I'm sure you will enjoy listening to that. We continue in our prayers to ask the risen Lord to fill our hearts with Easter joy. And uh, I, I, I hope that you will follow the prayers in the pew leaflet because that is where I drew these prayers from. And in the prayers, as we um, offer them to the risen Lord, we ask him to open the eyes of his church with the astounding news of the gospel and to fill our voices with joy that he is risen indeed. We also ask the risen Lord to raise up and sustain with his Holy Spirit people of integrity for the responsibilities of government. And here we pray for Cyril, our president, for uh, all his cabinet members, for the people who govern legislatively, economically, uh, those who govern uh, in the local communities. Uh, we pray for all of them, for our mayor as well and our premier, um, and for all political parties, uh, because they all help the landscape uh, to come to come better. And we pray for better working relationships between them. Because our, 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 in, our petition is to that God would bring peace and justice to flourish in his world. Referring our prayers against to the risen Lord, we ask that he give us grace to accompany others in their searching. Think of those who perhaps are angry with, with God at this moment, those who feel that there's hopelessness in believing anything. Uh, we pray for those who are also uh, going through torrid times because of a lack of basic resources. And um, we pray that by offering any form of hospitality, they will be, um, they would have a sense of being accompanied by others. We also ask the risen Lord to free us from the bonds that restrict our movement and dampen our praises. Well, COVID-19 certainly has done that. And we think of those who still have to take the plunge every day as essential workers to ensure that we are able to meet the crisis uh, that have already infected so many people. And we ask that God's protection will be upon them. May they be people of hope and trust in, in you, O Lord. And then your disciples came to you in darkness and with impaired vision of grief. So we ask you to come close to all whose hearts are anguished by loss. We think of those who mourn the deaths of their loved ones, uh, not necessarily only by COVID-19, but by other uh, causes of, of death that God may grant them um, comfort 
in the Holy Spirit. We continue to pray the, the prayer during the time of COVID-19, author of life, heal of the nations, grant us courage to face our trial, wisdom to find relief, faith to live responsibly and grant us your salvation for Jesus Christ's sake. Here we also offer to God all who have died that they may be granted the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Let us not forget then, uh, Lindsay, to greet our families with the peace of Christ, the risen Christ, and also to live in that peace with each other. And I hope that each family are, is able to cope with each other in, a, uh, in the spirit of peace. Yeah. And yeah, we, would, we would go on, Lindsay, to the offertory prayer, and you can go and look it up again. It's called Light of the Minds, and uh, it's interesting poetry there. As we enter into the liturgy of the Eucharist, and we spoke earlier about the importance of the liturgy being of both the word and sacrament together. So we will do the Eucharist uh, with the continuation of it being spiritual communion. The Lord is here. God's spirit is with us. We ask God to silence all voices in our hearts, but his remembering the words of Jesus. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. And whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. His words are invitational, and so we can therefore approach him prayerfully. As we say, Almighty and everlasting God, we approach the sacrament of your only begotten Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, as sick unto the physician of life, as unclean to the fountain of mercy, as blind to the light of eternal splendor, as needy to the Lord of heaven and earth, as naked to the King of glory. And we're inspired in our coming uh, to receive the, the sacrament, remembering how Jesus took the bread and how he took the cup. So we come, says the hymn writer, draw us to your feet, most patient Savior, who is the only one who can still love us. And by this food, so awful and so sweet, deliver us from every touch of ill. Thine own service, make us glad and free and grant us nevermore to part from thee. I encourage you to continue praying the Lord's Prayer in whatever language you choose that would continue to connect us to one another. We remember as we receive the sacrament that the woman who had the issue 
of blood touched the hem of his garment by faith, even though she could not touch your body. So in this time when we cannot touch your body sacramentally nor drink your blood, our prayer is for spiritual communion with you. Soul of Christ, sanctify us. Body of Christ, save us. Blood of Christ, refresh us. Water from the side of Christ, wash us. Passion of Christ, strengthen us. O good Jesus, hear us. Within your wounds, hide us. Permit us not to be separated from you. From the malicious enemy, defend us. The hour of our death, call us. Bid us come to you that with your saints we may praise you forever and ever. Amen. Amen. In his um, hymn, writes, Now let us from this table rise, renewed in body, mind, and soul, with Christ we die and rise again. His selfless love has made us whole. To fill each human heart house with love, it is the sacrament of grace, the work that Christ began to do, we humbly pledge ourselves to share. Then grant us grace, companion God, to choose again the pilgrim way. Help us to accept with joy the challenge of tomorrow's day, calling us to look again into the future uh, because the world is in God's hands. Another hymn during communion would be, Brother, Sister, let me serve you. Let mm. us not give up on that task and let us, through this time, focus on it so that we are refreshed when the opportunity arises for us to serve each other in more creative ways. In the conclusion, we give thanks to the Lord who is gracious we give him thanks for his son Jesus, who he has made both Lord and Messiah. Risen indeed, he is with us always. In the breaking of bread and your living and enduring word, our, hearts, our eyes are opened and our hearts set on fire with love. And so as we enter into the new week, the new week begins with a celebration of our nation's birth for 26 years in democracy, we do that with a prayer of dedication to God. Father Almighty, we offer ourselves to you as a living sacrifice in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Send us out into the world, especially as we enter into lockdown stage four, in the power of the Holy Spirit to live and work to your praise and to your glory. And so receive the commissioning of God. Go now as witnesses of God's eternal presence. The risen Christ has made himself known to you in the breaking of bread. So set your faith and hope on God. 
fulfilling your vows and living in genuine mutual love. May God hear and respond whenever you call. May Christ Jesus make himself known to you in all things. And may the Holy Spirit open your eyes and set your hearts on fire with love. My brothers and sisters, go now to love and serve the Lord starting in your homes. Go in peace. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we know that we can only go properly in the name of Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the service would end by drawing in the choirs of heaven in the hymn called the choirs of New Jerusalem. And so I hope that you would have a splendid week and a splendid day. God bless.